0: It's estimated that between 26.4 million and 36 million people abuse opioids worldwide. Opioid prescriptions have soared since the 1990s, along with accidental overdose deaths from these drugs. The opioid epidemic is a serious global problem that affects the health, social, economic welfare of all societies. You're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudill. Joining me today is Dr. Anita Gupta, Associate Professor and Vice Chair of the Division of Pain Medicine in the Department of Anesthesiology at Drexel University School of Medicine. Dr. Gupta, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Jen, very much. Well, I'm I'm so excited to have you here. And I I first wanted you to to just talk with us a little bit about the scope of this problem. Can you you just address a, a little bit about the scope of the opioid epidemic that we're experiencing right now? Absolutely.
1: So, as you already know, 78 people die every day from opioid overdoses and 80% of those deaths actually are accidental or unintentional. And it turns out that many people don't even know that they're at risk for an opioid overdose. And so, it's a very surprising statistic that people are uh, unintentionally dying from these op- opioid overdoses. And there's a lot we can do as physicians. There's a really a moral and ethical duty to treat pain. But we also have to dispense opioid medications much more safely. Uh, we need to be aware of all the new guidelines that are out there that have been put forth from the CDC. And we also have to be aware that opioid overdoses can occur at any time to anyone, anywhere. And being physicians, you really need to be proactive in, in getting this information out uh, to the public and
0: to other physicians. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm really curious with your expertise um, in this topic in particular, um, obviously, as well as others. But I'd like to know, you know, what are your thoughts and, and why do you think we've come to this place? You know, what are some of the contributing factors to why we have this opioid epidemic right now? What are your thoughts about this?
1: Well, you know, look, for the war on drugs has been going on for a very, very long time, back from the times of Ronald Reagan. Uh, Nancy Reagan was a proponent of, of addressing this issue. But what has changed now is that the United States is leading in the amount of opioid consumption around the world, and the deaths related to these overdoses are rising dramatically from 1990s to today. In fact, in Philadelphia alone, where I practice, the numbers have increased even from two years ago. So that we're really faced with a crisis that is not only locally but on a national level. Some of the reasons why I believe it has occurred is really multifactorial. There's many reasons. I mean, you can look at the fact that there was many new products that were put forward in the 1990s. There was also the push to the fifth vital sign to assess pain better and to treat pain better around the same time. And there actually was a lot of research saying that there was really no ceiling on the amount of opioids that you could prescribe. And as you know, that this has really changed. Uh, with the new CDC guidelines they have put forward, is really a stark contrast to what physicians have been doing. And this has put the pendulum in the other direction. And so now physicians are trying to figure out solutions on how to change their, their plan of treatment to find better solutions for their patients.
0: You know, I'd like to shift a little bit to your work in particular. Um, you've recently um, spoken on a panel with the White House director um, in Chicago about opioid overdoses and abuse, rather. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you do, the advocacy work, the speaking work that you do, and, and what you're doing um, as, a, as a doctor um, to, to help this epidemic on a national level?
1: Absolutely. I mean, look, first, as a human, I, I myself have had pain. And I've been on the other side of the issue. Uh, I've had to uh, deal with what, what happens when someone has pain in a hospital setting and no one believes you or when you're stigmatized. Uh, and so from a personal standpoint, I really am passionate about this, but it's really taken me to the next level of, of you know my passion and my desire to help others who may be in the same situation. Uh, But my work really stems from the American Society of Anesthesiology, where I chair a task force on the prescription opioid epidemic, leading anesthesiologists in this this advocacy mission to direct them on getting the message out there, um, speaking to stakeholders on the federal, national, and even local level to get the policies and funding out there, As you may know, um, there was recent legislation that was passed um, from the House and Senate and recently signed by President Obama, you know, getting funding out to the states, but that funding is very, very little. Uh, And there needs to be much, much more to get people to where they need to go as far as prevention and recovery and education. And uh, I was very fortunate to meet with uh, the director of the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy, Michael Botticelli, just in Chicago. Uh, where I was able to speak directly to his point uh, and also carry, carry his message along on, on getting this, this legislation some more funding.
0: That's fantastic. And the work that you're doing is certainly, it's admirable, but it's, it's certainly well needed. And it's wonderful that you're really at the forefront of, of dealing with this issue, not only for patients, but also for physicians as well. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and I'm speaking with Dr. Anita Gupta, an associate professor and vice chair of the Division of Pain Medicine in the Department of Anesthesiology at Drexel University School of Medicine. So, Dr. Gupta, for this, this next section, I'd like to sort of go into some of the expertise that you talk about when you speak nationally and when you work on the task force that you're working on about the opioid epidemic. You know, first of all, doctors need to understand the potential life-threatening side effects of opioids really in order to prevent a, an opioid emergency. Can you speak specifically to what physicians should know about safely using opioids?
1: Well, first of all, opioids are the cornerstone of treatment of pain. And as an anesthesiologist, I can tell you that's not going to change. When patients have surgery, they need opioids. And, you know, if they didn't, we would have patients that wouldn't, would really be uncomfortable after surgery. So I appreciate the importance of opioids in the treatment of pain. But what physicians need to do is when patients leave the hospital and they develop something from acute pain to chronic pain, they really need to be vigilant and talk to their patients about how to take these medications safely, how to take them as directed, and making sure that the medications don't interact with other medications or substances they may be taking and that it doesn't also interact with other conditions uh, that they may have, such as kidney failure or liver failure. These things can make the life-threatening side effects of opioids so much more, um, you know, possible. So discussing them with the patient as a physician, uh, with their family, with their friends, uh, so they know how to respond if someone is at risk for an opioid overdose. And a lot of it has to do with being prepared to administer naloxone. Uh, Naloxone is an antidote, as you may know, to reverse an opioid overdose. So all of these things are some of the things that physicians can do to curb some of the the issues we're seeing. And, And lastly, and most importantly, is really refer to the CDC guidelines that were put forward. Uh, They're a really important resource. They're now the uh, standard of care for writing opioids long-term. So I encourage, you know, everyone to take a look at them and, you know, really understand how to, to prescribe these medications safely.
0: That's great. Um, You know, I'm a family physician, and and often in the family medicine or, say, primary care office, we have patients who are on opioids, um, either that are being managed by pain management, for example, or by ourselves, um, you know, that we're doing. Um, I'm curious for those of us docs who are um, seeing patients in the office that may not be pain specialists, you know, what are some things that we need to have in place to make sure that we are managing our patients' pain Uh, effectively, but maybe even more than that, making sure that our patients are staying safe. You know, what types of tools do you recommend for us besides what you've already mentioned?
1: Right. Well, first of all, documentation, you know, that the patient is not only getting relief. You know, traditionally, we would document the patients getting improvement in their pain score, but we have to go beyond that. You have to ask the patient if they're enjoying their life, and you need to document that. Are they able to function And function can be assessed by just asking the question of what they do day to day, but it can go beyond that. And you can give patients surveys while they're in the waiting room that can be added to their chart. Um, There's many, many tools out there to assess functionality. Uh, And this doesn't take any more time from, from your visit from the patient. I get it that family practitioners, primary care doctors are busy, but they wait in the waiting room. It's something that can be given to them if you know they're taking an opioid, and that can be kept in their chart every time they come in to determine whether they're making an improvement in function with the opioid. Um, There's some of the things that you can do, but always prescribe naloxone if you think you're going to be prescribing opioids long-term because it can save a life. I mean, there's so many people that Take opioids and are at risk for opioid overdoses unintentionally, and naloxone could really make a big difference. Uh, The CDC has put forward numbers showing that it has saved thousands of lives, uh, even in the short duration that it's been out there. So those are some things that you can do. uh, But more, probably one of the things that I do, and I spend a lot of time with my patients, is is making sure that I communicate to them very, very closely on all the risks, all the benefits. Uh, of opioid therapy long-term so that they and I know that we're ready to deal with any of those issues if they arise.
0: Right. That's uh, actually, that's very, very good advice. And I am particularly interested in your, your comment about naloxone. My feeling as a family doctor is it's probably underused. And, and you mentioned the, the concept of prescribing naloxone, along with prescribing the opioid for, for patients. Um, you know, how often is this happening? Um, is this happening enough? Are we doctors doing a good enough job with prescribing naloxone? You know, what are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, look, you know, naloxone was just recently signed into effect to be co-prescribed by the AMA um, from the President of the United States. Uh, We see it from many uh, coalitions, uh, the Harm Reduction Coalition, uh, you know, advising that this should be co-prescribed, and and FDA, which I'm directly involved with as well, has has really endorsed the co-prescription of it. Uh, it is now the new standard. It is not what we've been done in the past. And and it is hard for physicians to wrap their mind around it that they have to co-prescribe a life-saving drug. But it is important. And if you look at the numbers, if you look at the data that I've seen um, regarding the the lives that have been saved with naloxone, it just makes sense uh, to give it. And I think that we aren't prescribing it enough. Uh, We aren't considering co-prescription of it enough. And, And given that now, there's so many organizations supporting the need for it. I think we need to get on board, you know, to try to prescribe it more um, and, and teach their family members on how to give it. Naloxone um, isn't perfect, but at least it's, it's some chance of surviving an overdose. And, and you know, it's only the one step in getting someone to recovery, uh, one step in getting them out of addiction, uh, but it's at least a step. And I, I believe that it is a step in the right
0: direction. That's great to know. Um, you know, with that question, it, it leads me to say for those who are listening, um, I know that many are going to want to find more information. And You did mention the um, new CDC. I think you mentioned CDC regulations that have come out. Um, can you mention um, a few different sources or places that physicians can go to? Physicians who might be listening, saying, "You know, this sounds great, but I feel so out of touch. I really need to brush up." You know, what are the the few? Uh, places you would advise people to go to, to um, brush up on their their knowledge and and get the latest information? So two of the best resources
1: are one, the American Medical Association. Uh, They have a robust website and resources for doctors to go to. The American Osteopathic Association also um, has a robust website. Um, It's very, you know, visible online, both of these organizations, but for the guidelines and for really, you know, the standard now that's been established, you need to visit www.cdc.gov slash drug overdose slash prescribing and that will give you the information you need uh, to get, you know, the, the, the actual things that you need to follow if you're prescribing opioids uh, for chronic pain. And there's information not just for providers, there's resources for patients too. So there's fact sheets, there's clinical tools, um, and there's a wealth of information. And it's reliable, and it's trusted, and it's now the new standard. So I would recommend that would be the first place to go in addition to your own professional societies uh, and the AMA and the American Osteopathic Association.
0: Um, You know, Dr. Gupta, this has been a a wonderful interview. And before we close, I'd like to ask, is there anything else that maybe we need to touch on or anything else you'd like to discuss before before we close?
1: Absolutely. I think... You know, there's a lot of blame placed on physicians for this epidemic. And, and it's hard, you know, for me as a physician being on the front line discussing this to address that question. But what I believe is that physicians may indeed be part of this problem. And, and in fact, I try to own that issue. But what we need to realize is that physicians are also the solution. And in order to overcome this epidemic, physicians are going to have to be on the front line to address it. And, and I think we can do a lot. Um, by going out there and talking to people that are interested.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, Such wonderful comments. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Anita Gupta, for joining us today. I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. To access this episode and others in the series and to download the ReachMD app, please visit us at reachmd.com. We encourage you to leave comments and share this program with your colleagues.